0: Train, 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 train.
1: Your city I'm a new score broke your high score soon I step through the door try to step my paper up like a bookstore money kissing needs her to like lock a rock and roll tour when i
2: come to your city I'm a new score broke your high score soon as step through the door try to step my paper up like a bookstore money kissing
1: like needs hey Thailand what's going on welcome to the new score podcast my name is pat this is my co-host tyg tyler pratt tyler how we be doing
3: fucking terrible the power's out here windstorm i'm in my car recording because i have no other option so bear with me but could be better i'll rephrase that could be better
1: (laughs) could be better could be worse um appreciate you uh you know joining me tonight in your car I know it's not ideal the vibes are a little low with the weather and the power being out but it's good to see you excited cuz we got a lot to talk about we got playoff football in the NFL we got the Michigan Wolverines national champions and we got a ton of Coaching news to talk about tonight as well. Nick Saban just retired. We're going to get into that pretty soon. Crazy. Um, it's Wednesday right now. Uh, this will be out on Friday. And by then, there could be massive more moves to come. Still waiting on Belichick right now, too. So, But questions with a fan. Kansas City Chiefs edition. Second half of this episode tonight excited to uh, dive in with our boy Tyler Albrecht talk about some Kansas City chiefs biggest chiefs fan we know by far and it's been for over 20 years knowing the kid' just been a diehard ever ever since I met him so excited to catch up with him talk some ball talk some chiefs Tyler congratulations Michigan Wolverines. defeat the Washington Huskies. Uh, Before I let you talk about it, just want to say my thoughts on the whole thing. I said I did, before the playoffs, take uh, Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies to win it all because it was plus 700 to me. You give me the best quarterback out of the four teams, plus 700 odds. I'm going to take that every time. So I did, and I felt really good going into that matchup. On Monday, but what I was afraid of was Michigan dominating this game up front, and that's exactly what happened. In my opinion, Michigan just bullied them. O line, D line, getting whatever they want in the run game, just like they have been all year between Quorum and Edwards. It's a really tough tandem to stop. Um, JJ made some throws when he had to. I mean, not a great game, but kid doesn't have to play great. Um, on that team, it's a great football team. They deserve to be national champs. I did think the game could have been a lot better. It felt like Washington, every time they had like that opportunity where they were going to do something, it was just it was a drop pass or a misthrow by you know a couple yards or throwing it on the outside shoulder when the guy's running on his inside shoulder, stuff like that. Um, Johnson, the running back, wasn't healthy going into that game. Um, They did get that big splash play later in the game, down seven, and then it gets called back on a holding. So it's just like Washington could just never get it really going to where you felt like they were ever going to come out with a win in that game. But props to your Michigan Wolverines, props to Jim Harbaugh for turning that program around because, I mean, around the time where we were in high school, it was pretty messy in Michigan, and it was – some years after that too. And it didn't change when it was urban Meyer and they brought Harbaugh in and urban Meyer just owned Harbaugh too. But it's like, since that Michigan has just taken like a whole another step. Um, scandals are no scandals. You have to respect what you see on the football field from that team uh, this whole year. And Jim Harbaugh is a phenomenal coach. I hope he leaves the NFL, but enough of me. Go ahead.
3: No, I I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, that game definitely could have been. I mean, it was closer than the final score depicted. Um, like you said, that they finally got that splash play down and it got called back. Uh, yeah, no, it's good because not every fan gets to see their, you know, favorite college team win the chip. And I, who knows, maybe you Michigan won't win it again in my lifetime. So the fact that I at least got to saw it while I'm alive, or excuse me, see it while I'm alive, um, it's good. It was good. And, and like you said, it was just a great team. Like, J.J. really didn't have to be spectacular to win. They just bullied up front. And, uh, you know, if there was anybody who could get to that, you know, to to the secondary and, um, and really make it a game, it was Washington. Yeah. No, that's great. I hope I hope Harbaugh um, does what's best for him, right? I don't I don't know if he's gonna stay. I really have no feeling, um, no feel for it right now with the whole scandal thing and all that. Like, I'm not too sure what what his uh, you know, what kind of idea he has whether he wants to stay or go. But we'd obviously love for him to stay. Otherwise, I I don't know who they're gonna have step up or who they're going to hire. So it's going to be interesting for sure though, along with every other coaching vacancy coming up that we'll cover.
1: We'll see what is next for Michigan, where they might go. If Harbaugh is gone, um, if he does stay, I just feel like he belongs in the NFL to me. It's like you already, you did what you set out to do. You restored Michigan you won a national title, they're back on the map, you did your job. That's what you went there to do. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. He coached in a Super Bowl and he lost that Super Bowl. So I think there's there's some unfinished business, like some hunger inside him um, to get it done in the NFL. And in my opinion, he's the best candidate out there. Uh, but speaking of legendary coaches – Let's talk about the greatest college football coach of all time, Nick Saban. Literally just retired. Like I said, it's Wednesday right now. Tyler and I were you know coordinating this, getting ready to record. I look at my phone and I see it breaking news. Nick Saban retired. So I Neither of us have, you know, like the scoop on why he did it? um, What's next for him? Perhaps like, is he done completely or has he got his eyes on something else? Maybe what are the rumors? We have no idea. Um, Just kind of got dropped on our heads right as we um, were getting ready to record this. So, Ty, our thoughts on Nick Saban.
3: Goat, absolute college football goat coach um yeah how many how many did he have seven eight i believe eight it's just crazy that's crazy to think like he turned Alabama into an absolute powerhouse like i don't know if we're ever gonna see another college coach like him for quite some time um seven you're right, my bad, and it's just out of nowhere too i don't know if I didn't expect it. I did not expect him to to come out and retire, but Do you think he's going to maybe make a move to the NFL, perhaps? Or do you think Uh, he's just done done, – maybe –
1: I think he's already done that NFL route, um, did his time as a coordinator back in the day, and then was the head coach of the Dolphins, and it just didn't work out. And there's some um, rough stories about those days when Nick Saban was running that team. Um, Just not – Not an NFL guy, I think. He's a phenomenal coach, and he can coach players no matter what the age. Um, But I just think it's a control thing for him where he feels more comfortable and he is at his best when he has most control, you know, of everything that's going on on his team. Might as well talk about Belichick, where we're talking about the greatest college coach. We'll talk about the greatest NFL coach. Nothing, like I said, it's Wednesday right now. Nothing has happened with Belichick. What if these two are cooking something up together, though? Be because crazy. I just, it just, I find it so hard to believe Nick Saban walking away from football right now. He just had, I know they didn't win the national title this year, but this may have been his best coaching job. And I don't know, like the last 10 years, strictly because that team wasn't, you know, filled with stars. Like they weren't a super talented team at all. Like Jalen Milrow's not developed at all. And he got something out of Milrow late in the season and got this team, the college football playoff. They had no business being in beat Georgia for the sec championship. There's no way he walks out with that, with the year that he just had and coming up short there. I just feel like there's something, there's more, there's more to come with Nick Saban and, I think it would be really cool if him and Bill are cooking something up and um, they get a reunion somewhere, do something together. That would be awesome to see. Might as well talk about Mike Frable right now because he's a hot commodity as a potential replacement for Belichick, understandably, um, for the Patriots coach. I couldn't believe it, Tyre. That was the most shocking to me. Like, we talk about Nick Saban retiring, and I say, like, I'm shocked. I'm even more shocked that Mike Vrabel got fired by the Tennessee Titans, dude. This, that, when that broke to me, I was just like, wait a second. Off the top of my head, the scenario I think of is like a really hot girl. She's, she's like a nine and a half, right? and she gets caught up with you know some dude some chump uh, for whatever reason starts dating this dude but the guy's a bum you know mike Vrabel getting fired by the titans is like that dude going to that chick and dumping her in my opinion that's exactly how i see it because i'm like who the hell are you is an organization to think you're better than that dude like, what? That dude turned your whole organization around. Like, you were a mediocre organization with Jeff Fisher. Mediocre for how long? And then it was a mess after that. You were in shambles as a team. You had no identity. Vrabel comes in, and the culture is there immediately, and you could see the turnaround on this team. Do you remember, like, the amount of injuries this team has dealt with like the last five years and they've always we'll take this year out of it this year was a meltdown and it's because everybody's at the later stages and it was just it was just that time where Derrick Henry's not the same guy Tannehill stinks their whole line was maybe the worst in the league but anyways he he brought that culture to Tennessee and they were a real like contender in the AFC for some time like Brady's last pass as a New England Patriot threw a pick six at home against the Tennessee Titans in a playoff game. Mike Vrabel's Tennessee Titans went to New England in the playoffs and ended Tom Brady. That's what Mike Vrabel did. What else did Mike Vrabel do? He had, I don't know, he had like 30 guys on the IR. I want to say it was two years ago when the titans got the one seed whenever the tennessee titans got the one seed if you look at the injury report and like the guys on the ir across the league they're like leading it and oh by the way ryan Tannehill's their quarterback what this team this team is the one seed that's mike vrabel and you fired him i'll tell you what if if this thing in new england isn't happening If I'm Ohio State, if I am the Ohio State Buckeyes, I am offering Mike Vrabel a billion dollars to come coach Ohio State because that would make my absolute day tower. I've been talking about it for a while. I think Vrabel is, besides McVay, obviously, Vrabel is my favorite coach um, in the NFL.
3: And this news was just completely shocking to me. But Go ahead. Yeah, no. I, another one that I didn't see coming. I don't know what the motive was behind it. Um, I know that the Titans are going to be going through a bit of a—I don't want to call it a rebuild, but kind of. You know, Henry's leaving. Oh, no, they, they are. Have, yeah, they have young quarterbacks. Just got rid of their head coach. Um, they trade away. Mm-hmm some vets at the deadline, like they're going to be going into somewhat of a rebuilding phase and maybe they just want to do it under a new face, like whatever. I get it, but the chances of that coach being able to do a better job than Vrabel would have done is slim. It's very slim. And it's not like Vrabel's an old head who's been there 15, 20 years. You know, he, he came in, like you mentioned, changed the culture around and, uh,
1: He'll be coaching for the next 20 years, at least.
3: Exactly. So,
1: If Bill is gone, I like Frabel there. And then I like uh, Harbaugh to the Chargers. Um, Bears announced today they're keeping Eberflus. So they're keeping Eberflus, but they fired their OC Gutsy. Thank God. Um, they at least did that. It's going to be a huge who they get for their next OC because Fields has been running through these offensive coordinators since he's been in the league. So if it is, I'm not saying it's going to be Justin Fields, but whether it's Justin Fields or whether it's the first overall pick, Caleb Williams coming to the Chicago bears, like you better make sure you already said, Hey, we're keeping this defensive coach as our head coach, right? So you better make sure that that OC knows what the hell they're doing and there's guys all over the place like just keep they keep plucking like the tree of kyle shanahan sean McVay. like they keep just teams just keep going all right we'll take this guy from the niners we'll take this guy from the rams we'll take this guy from the niners we'll take this guy from the rams i can't think of one that hasn't worked yet like they've all worked i was talking to todd earlier i think zach robinson um He's the Rams passing game coordinator. I think he's the next one out uh, from Los Angeles. Going to be interesting what they do for offensive coordinator. And like I said, you better hit on that, whether it's Justin Fields, where, hey, we're going to need to get the best out of this guy, or it's a rookie quarterback. Because, once again, your head coach, is he's a defensive guy. So I'm not for that. I'm for getting the best out of your quarterback. And I think getting the best out of your quarterback means giving him the best. I want that genius. I want that guy who's able to scheme it up and win the game Monday to Saturday. And he's got, you know, the first 30 plays scripted out. And, hey, if the defense lines up like this, we know what we're doing with this. And it's an offensive league now. Like, I want the guy that's going to make my quarterback the best he can be. Iber is not going to do that for whoever their quarterback is. But they will still have a really good defense because he's a great defensive mind. Um, but got to find the OC for them. Maybe it's Arthur Smith. It's the next guy I want to talk about. Gets fired from Atlanta. We talked about it last episode. It's like, dude, you wanted to stick this thing out with Desmond Ritter as long as you did. And I literally said it, uh, clipped it, is it going to cost you your job because you wanted to trial this kid and just keep throwing him out there when you have a capable backup and Taylor Heineke, we've seen it. Heineke can make plays. He can win games. We know you have that guy. We know you have a great roster. You got great weapons on the offensive end, and you wanted to keep and desmond Ritter out there as he continues to throw the game late late it's i mean you make your bed you gotta lay in it um so i really don't have any sympathy for arthur smith i think he is a good offensive coach but he just got hung up on this kid that they drafted and i think he was third round pick uh maybe second i think it was third though out of cincinnati and i've said it in the past i don't even think the dude looked good at cincinnati so he had way too long of a leash in Atlanta, and it ends up costing Arthur Smith his job.
3: Anything you want to add on that? No, I mean we, yeah, we talked about it all year—the Heineke versus Ritter battle—and you know, maybe if it weren't for injuries, it'd be a different story. But I don't, I I don't know how you stick with the Ritter that long. I really don't. It's tough to watch him sometimes. So I don't know how. Like you're you're telling me that the kid is flawless. and I don't want to say flawless, but you're telling me he he performed that well in practice and in walkthroughs and all that. Like film room, everything that we can't see that we don't know about. Maybe Ritter excelled behind the scenes, and that's why Smith stuck with him. But it's like it's hard to it's really hard to picture that. His lasting memory in Atlanta is going to be that Jamal Williams touchdown and his you know his midfield conversation with Dennis Allen. So. Um. Yeah. No. He, like, he's a good offensive mind, like you mentioned. So, I, I hope he goes somewhere and and has some success. Uh, just he kind of he kind of dug himself a hole with Ritter, so that's unfortunate. Well,
1: let's move on. Another move that was made today. Pete Carroll. I don't know if I want to word this that he got fired. Um, I think it was kind of a uh, hey, Pete. We want to go in a different direction, but we still want you here in the building. So we're going to move you upstairs, kind of thing. Um, I think it was kind of a mutual thing. But at the same time, it's hard to believe that Pete Carroll doesn't want to coach anymore. Uh, Cause that's one of those guys that where it's just that's it's coaching's in his blood. So I'm curious to see if he's actually going to like hold up and take this job upstairs or if he's going to listen in to you know, some potential offers elsewhere in the NFL. We'll see what happens with that. Anything you want to talk about Pete Carroll?
3: Yeah, I think he's just got weak knees. <laughs> the, dude's, the dude's 75 walking up and down the sidelines, running to call timeouts and shit. His legs are weak. The dude needs a box seat for heaven's sake. So um, they had a great career. He had a great head coach and career at USC in Seattle. Um I, I bet you he does still want to coach, you know, part of him at least. So it wa it, it was an interesting uh bit of news though. I just saw that today as well. So I don't know. I haven't really digested that yet.
1: It's kind of similar to Vrabel too. He brought in a new culture for Seattle. Um players players loved him. I mean, at this point I think it's kinda of gotten old. You know, the whole Pete Carroll thing. It's it's just it's just gotten to some sometimes it doesn't have to be like he's, the guy's a bad coach or he did something wrong, but just things just run their course. And I think that's what's happening in Seattle. But going back to when he first got there, he brought in like a whole new swagger to Seattle. And it was – that defense was – I me mean, Legion of Boom, that shit was legit. Uh, they won a Super Bowl, should have won two Super Bowls. It was a They went on a great little run. Um, I fucking hated them, hated them in that era with Richard Sherman and all them couldn't stand Seahawks. We had some great battles with them back in them, back in those days. Uh, Lately, it hasn't really been a battle since McVay's taken over, but I think that his players kind of take advantage of the leeway he gives them and then they do some things on the field that are classless Um talk about the dk metcalf temper tantrums like that doesn't happen on a lot of teams but shit like that it's happened for years and years on the seattle seahawks and there's some there are some dirty plays that i've seen from that team over the years and it's just one of those things um where i've had some things to say about Pete carroll in the past but as a whole respect him he is a legend uh like you mentioned the usc days unbelievable what he did for usc um they were fun as hell to watch when we were kids so that's it for that i want to talk a little bit about the jacksonville jaguars this team was eight and three at one point in the season um if you would have bet on the jags to win the division beginning of the season it would have you wouldn't have been making much because i mean they were heavy favorites in that division For them to not make the playoffs going into this year, this was the year where Trevor Lawrence was supposed to make that leap into being top five, and your name was being talked about in potential AFC representative going to the Super Bowl, and you don't make the playoffs in a division with rebuilding Tennessee and two rookie quarterback, rookie head coach tandems.
3: You didn't win that division. It's just crazy, you yeah. know. Eight and three, and it's not like they had a hard schedule either. Down the stretch, they had some very winnable, easy games that they just blew. Um, but yeah, dude. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know where they go from here, right? Like, do you, do you just say, all right, you know, fluke second half of the season? Let's see, you know, where we went wrong. We had some injury stack up, Kirk. Lawrence was obviously banged up different parts um of that end stretch like Josh Allen they got a big decision to make on him and and some of the other guys but it's like where do they go do they do they just say like you know we have the we believe we have the right pieces um I mean a wide receiver they got to make an, some sort of move right I was talking weed about it I think maybe maybe T Higgins is a play for them out there in Jacksonville if they don't re-sign Ridley. Um, Because I don't know, or or you draft, because I don't think teams really like to have too much money uh, invested in the wide receiver core, right? Like, you you pay one receiver, you pay your number one guy, and then you try to get bargains on on two, three, and four uh, with a rookie kind of mixed in there, right, or at least a young guy and a vet. They have Kirk. Um, They're paying him pretty well. Zay Jones, I think Zay Jones has gone too. Calvin Ridley's not under contract. They don't really have any um, good young receivers in that core, so they got they have some work to do with their wide receiver core. Um, but yeah, it's funny they went from heavy favorites this year, and now from a you know a micro, I don't say it, like a telescope, like a far look outside into next season, they're not going to be the favorites next year. Right now they're kind of looking like that. They might be third the third team in that division, with Anthony Richardson coming back. Everyone's gonna be high on the Colts. Obviously the Texans with CJ are who they are. Um so I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting what they do moving forward. I don't think that they move on from Dougie. I like Dougie. I respect Dougie. I think No, Dougie's they
1: there. No, he's there. Um they did fire what I wanted to mention is they fired 10 assistant coaches, including their DC, but they kept 10, but they kept their offensive coordinator, Press Taylor, who speaking of weed, he is fed up with Press Taylor, wants him gone. I'm just, I keep going back to when they were on the goal line and they couldn't punch it in from the one two very questionable play calls. Trevor Lawrence is so banged up and you have him run a QB sneak and he gets his legs taken away from him. So he has to dive forward with the ball. doesn't get there, but you are putting, you're exposing your quarterback out to that when he's already banged up, like that could have been it for him. Then it could have been end of the game, you know, with a, with a hit, he could have taken there. And then at the end of the game, It's they need two yards just to advance down the field. Um, They have to they have to score. They have to do something or the game's over. And they run two plays to the left where they try to get it to Ridley. And he just throws here. The the first play was to Ridley. He ends up throwing it over his head by like five yards near the sideline. And the second play, he overthrew Evan Ingram, if I'm not mistaken, Where it just really wasn't close. And to me, those aren't high percentage like completions. Like you weren't setting your quarterback up for an easy completion there. You failed to run the ball. A few weeks back against the Carolina Panthers, they ran all over them. But besides that, dude, I haven't seen the, the Jacksonville Jaguars like take advantage of this run game all season. Like it's just they're putting it all on Trevor. And like I said, the dude is so banged up. Credit to him for even sticking it out down the stretch. There's a lot we could talk about with Trevor Lawrence. But I don't want to dive into that right now. Just as as a whole, very disappointing ending for the Jags with the what the expectations were going into this season. And then you get to eight and three and you fall off a cliff and you miss the playoffs. Um Speaking about the playoffs tower, let's dive into these matchups for Super Wildcard Weekend. Let's start it out, though, with the first guy. It's going to be Saturday afternoon. Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. We got Joe Flacco back in the postseason on the road facing rookie sensation CJ Stroud. I'm early, early thoughts about this game. I don't know, dude. I could see it going either way. I really could. I think the Browns are a better football team, though. And I think that there's something to be said about like the highs of last week, like the Texans beating the Colts, winning the division after the dumpster fire your organization's been in the last few years, you have a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, and you go out and you get it done, win the division, shock the world. Like, you're up here right now. And I just think this is a spot where I know it's everybody has to get up for a playoff game, it's the playoffs. But I still think, like, there's an emotional feel to, like, the Texans feel like, dude, we're good. Like, we just did what nobody thought. We're here. I think there could be some points scored in this game. So I might look into taking the over. But because Cleveland's defense is good as it has been, doesn't play well on the road. And I expect CJ to get his. But I think the Browns right now, Mari Cooper is going to be back. He's going to be good to go. Last time these teams played, I know CJ wasn't out there, but the Browns just lit him up, dude. And I don't think that's going to change. I think the Browns can get whatever they want in this game. What do you have to say about this one?
3: Pretty much going to echo, echo you there. Um, Browns defense, good as they have been, don't play well on the road. They actually played bad on the road. Uh, But Joe Flacco, you know, that already has a chip. He kind of brought some life back to Cleveland, And, you know, they're going to be on the road in Houston. There's something to be said about rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs. I know that CJ is kind of, you know, one of those few, I don't want to say exceptions, but one of those few exceptions. He's doing a lot of things that nobody thought that he'd be able to do. Um, So my first instinct was, you know, I thought about how the Browns defense played on the road and how, how well CJ plays at home and I was like, man, they're going to be, they're going to be high. I might want to ride with Houston. And then I'm like, God, but he's a rookie. He's a, he's a fucking rookie in the playoffs. It's going to be a whole nother level. The playoffs always are. It's another level. Um, so I feel like if, if I'm going to put money on somebody, I will put it on the Browns, but, Again, I'm like I'm I'm really split. Like this is as close to fifty fifty as as I am on any other game. Uh I think that's gonna be a great game. I think that might there's there's a couple real good games on the slate, but that I think that's that's a great game to have right off the bat. I think that's the first game right Saturday, at one o'clock.
1: Yeah. Four, yeah.
3: Four o'clock? Yeah. Uh Saturday at four. Okay. Gives us time to get some pre game drinky poos in. You know what I mean.
1: (laughs) And by the time it's by the time it's eight o'clock, you're gonna be uh you're gonna be feeling good, and it's gonna be Dolphins Chiefs. Got Miami at Kansas City. Miami has a total collapse at the end of their season, and give up the division to the Buffalo Bills. Unreal,
3: really unreal.
1: I went back and I found a text. I texted Tyler probably five, maybe six weeks ago, probably five weeks ago, because the Bills have won five straight now. And it was the end of the Bills game, and Tony Romo was just doing what he does, sucking off the Bills. But at the end of it, he said something. He's like, Jim, Buffalo might have a home playoff game. They might do it. They might have a home playoff game. And I was just sitting there, and I was like, What are you talking? And then Nance checked him and he's like, Well, Miami would really I think he said like Miami would really have to, you know, fall off for that to happen. And I was I texted you, I was like, dude, Romo is just too much sometimes. But dude, he was fucking right. Like he was right. I'll never forget a few years back when the Bucks played the Chiefs in the regular season. And he said at the end of that game, he said, Jim, I can see these two teams. I think this is gonna be a super, I think it's gonna be this year's Super Bowl. What happens? Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl. (laughs) I don't know if Romo is like some kind of witch or whatever, but long story short, Miami has to go on the road. First round, they're playing at Arrowhead. It's going to be freezing, dude. I heard some reports today. It's gonna be cold as hell not Miami Dolphins friendly at all. The Chiefs no. offense has been what it has been. We're going to talk a lot about the Chiefs second half of this episode with Tyler when he comes on. So, we could talk about this game more when we get into it with him. But I just want to throw out because of the circumstances, Miami against great teams this year, I will say it, against great teams, they don't put up points. They don't put up they don't score 20 points. And then the Chiefs' offense, you know, stalling out like it has been. And then you factor in the weather, dude. I am. I love the under in this game. Right now we're sitting at last. Last night I took it at forty-four and a half. Right now I'm seeing forty-four, but I love the under in this game.
3: Yeah, it's a good call, especially that game that they played earlier this year when the Chiefs were. Yep. I think they were in pulled, I think- Germany. Yeah, both teams were 6-2 and two at the time, I believe. Um, and the Chiefs started out up 21-zip, and I forget what the final score was, but I know Miami came back. And 21-14. Then, yeah, and, and then Tua had that throw where Cedric Wilson was wide open for the touchdown, and the ball kind of slipped out of his hand on the throw. And we, we talked about that earlier this year. It's just like that's. Probably what we're going to see again. We're probably going to see a real tight game. We'll see one of these two teams get off to an early lead and then go stagnant, and then the other team's going to fucking scrap and battle and scratch, crawl their way back into it. It's not going to be a pretty one. Dolphins, like you mentioned, when they do play um, good teams, they struggle offensively. And especially in this game where I think it's going to be right around zero degrees, like legit literally, like, zero-degree weather, um, single digits maybe. Um, It's going to be cold as fuck, and those boys have no idea, no idea what that's like. Um, And then Kansas City, with just all the struggles they had, bro, it's like, you know, never doubt Mahomes, but damn, it is hard to buy into the Chiefs right now. It's it's hard to put money on them and back them the way that they've been playing, same as, like, fucking Philly, no matter who – Philly was going to play going into these playoffs the way that they've been playing. I don't know how you can back them, uh, but obviously we'll get to that game. But yeah, I think that uh, for this one, that's a good call though. The under, the under feels like the right play.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. Tyreek going back to Kansas City. Moving on, those Buffalo Bills that we just mentioned hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday at one o'clock. It's hard to believe that the Dolphins losing the AFC East, that's hard to believe. But this Pittsburgh Steelers team, even being in the playoffs, is might even be more unbelievable than that because of how just unorganized and poor this team looked just like three weeks ago. And then Mason Rudolph comes in and it just seems like, okay, well, they're just going to you know the next guy because – Kenny's hurt, Trubisky stinks, so, I mean, it's like, fuck it, what do we have to lose at this point? And they rattle off three in a row, and I know the Ravens weren't even playing their guys, so they got really fortunate with that. But at the same time, we're looking at the end of the season, and the record is what it is, and Mike Tomlin just somehow did it again, and you're like, how the fuck did that happen? When just weeks ago they were talking about this guy potentially being fired now this team with Mason Rudolph is playing at Buffalo. Um, thoughts on this game. The Bills have been an absolute wagon these last five weeks, but they continue to play at the level of their competition. They've done it for years, and this year it's been no different. They almost lost to the Chargers, for God's sake, um, in, the, in the heat of a playoff race. They almost lost to Easton Stick. So, I mean, they have the ability to just throw it all away on Sunday. They do. But it's going to be a lot harder for Pittsburgh without TJ Watt out there. I think that if the weather is shitty in Buffalo, like that is the best for the Steelers because. The Bills don't even have a home field advantage when the weather's like that. We saw it against the Bengals because they're not that like they're not that ground and pound like play tough defense. Just you know, milk the clock like that's not the Buffalo Bills. Um, yeah, they're going to be able to run the ball with Cook, but you always have that threat of turning the ball over with Josh Allen. So if the conditions are bad on Sunday in Buffalo. To me, that just increases those odds of him turning the ball over. And that's the only way you lose this game. Only way. Talked about it that game earlier in the season against the Broncos. Um, I believe it was Monday night when they were playing at home. And Denver wasn't doing anything all game. But the Bills just kept turning it over, turning it over, turning it over, and turning it over. And eventually, like you give the you give the opposing team that many chances, they're going to score and they're going to beat you. And that's what happened. So the pills certainly uh, are capable of giving this game away. So it's going to be interesting with the weather. I think I'm seeing 10 points this game. I don't want any part of tower because I could see it being ugly um, because I mean, the bills made it ugly against the Cowboys. So who's to say they're not going to make it ugly against Mason Rudolph and the Steelers, but then I think about, well, we've seen them, you know, almost lose to the Giants at home. We've seen them almost lose to the Chargers in Easton Stick when it was a must-win game. I I could see it going like I could see it being a closer than ten, and I could see the Bills wiping the four with them. But what do you got? Like
3: if TJ Watt was playing in this game. Then I think I would actually feel decent betting on the Steelers. Like I, I, I would give the Steelers like, um, what, what's the fr- A puncher's chance. I don't know. The a fighter's fr- chance. A fighter's chance. <laughs> yeah, a fighter's chance. Like, uh, I would give them a fighter's chance. Like the Bills play to their competition. The Steelers are a good, well-rounded football team who. Has seemed to find their groove on offense, and, but I think everyone can agree, like they're just a quarterback away, right? Like we what we said it about uh, a couple teams, like like the Saints before this season. You know, the Saints they were a quarterback away, and then Derek Atlanta Cartier, now, Atlanta now, right? A quarterback away. The Steelers really truly are a team that is just a quarterback away. The Broncos, before they got Russell Wilson, like, you know, the Steelers are, are one of those teams, they're well-rounded, they they play tough, fuck, they got Mike Tomlin, um, the boys are running the football well, like, Najee Harris, best stretch of his career, and then Jalen Warren is playing like a dog, and then you got the, the receivers, you know, you got Pickens, you have Deontay Johnson, you have Friar Muth, like they have the pieces, a a decent O-line, so I think, you know, if the weather in Buffalo isn't great, which it never is this time of year, like this could be a scrappy game, and let's be honest, who do you think is going to have, if you had to bet on it, more turnovers, the Steelers or the Bills? Probably the Bills, right? And if it comes down to it, and it's a turnover battle, the Bills lose the turnover battle, they might lose the game, so they're getting what, the Bills are laying 10 points, hmm on the books, I probably will jump all over it, to be honest with you. The only thing that like I said, TJ Watt being out, like that's a big hit. They get hit. Minka back though. It's a big hit, but they're getting Minka back. Like I think I think this game's gonna be closer than than what the books are, you know, representing. We'll put it that way.
1: I may be with you on leaning Pittsburgh here um, because another thing is James Cook has struggled to hang out of the ball like in dome games. So, yeah, if it's going to be cold as shit and snowing, I don't feel good about James Cook being able to handle the rock. I know they've, they're getting Fournette involved lately more, and they're probably doing that, you know, by design, where hey, once we get to the playoffs, we're going to really let this dude loose. Um, as he's done in his career. he's going, He's gone off in the playoffs. But can't get away from James Cook because of that. But there is the threat where, you know, he puts the ball on the ground in your territory. You set the Steelers up and could be looking at, like you said, a scrappy game in Buffalo. But let's move on to the 430 game Sunday. Your Dallas Cowboys hosting the Green Bay Packers. Who get in after beating the Bears last week? Jordan Love looked incredible. He has looked incredible going down the stretch. It's been fun to see him take this um leap. And there's been a lot of things said about this kid this year. Um, going back to our early episodes, we talked about we were like, I don't know about this guy. But second half of the season, he's really turned it on. And they're fun, they're a fun offense to watch right now, honestly. Like, it's not. It's not boring. It, it's not boring um, football like it was earlier this this season, where they would just stall for like a whole half at a time. It's not like that anymore. Like there's a real threat. Like Jordan Love poses a real threat. They got some very capable young weapons who are fast. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with Stefan Gilmore. I'll let you talk about that. But I mean, Dallas has done what they had to do. Um, they end up winning the division. Dethroning Philly, and now they're they're that two seed. Where hey, if the Niners trip up um, next week against whoever they play, you the the road to the Super Bowl runs through Dallas, and you don't lose at home. So that's huge for them to get that two seed. I know we talked about it with Truesdale a few episodes back, and we, and we talked about like, hey man, if they can get that two seed or that with that time we're talking about, maybe if they get that one seed, it's going to be tough to win in Dallas for opposing teams. I'm seeing seven and a half right now over under 50 and a half there. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of points scoring in this game. I think um, especially if Gilmore is shaken up and with how that Packers offense has been moving, but I like the Cowboys in this game. I don't see the Cowboys tripping up in this game. So, for like every, all of like the Cowboys haters out there who are like waiting for that moment where they collapse in the playoffs, I don't see it being that. I don't see it being this week. I really don't. Um, I think Green Bay, like Houston, it's a good story that they got here. Um, Jordan loves behind center and hey, you got your guy. Um, And the defense wasn't great this year and you still got here into the playoffs. Christian Watson's been banged up. Aaron Jones has been banged up still got to the playoffs. That's a big accomplishment for green Bay. So it kind of playing with house money at this point, you know what I mean? Um, like the Rams are, who we're about to get into. I just think it's like a feel good. You're here. Hey, let's go do we're young. We don't know any better. Like I could see them putting up some points in this game. I just don't see Dallas losing at home. I really don't.
3: No. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really too worried about this game. I, I think if, if Green Bay's defense was better, then I I think that they might be the play for the spread at seven and a half. Uh, I mean, that half point is huge. So, uh, I, but I know it's been sitting there, though. I think that line has been sitting at seven, seven and a half all week. And the fact that it hasn't moved um, is not a great sign. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, not too worried about this one. I would love – it's going to feel good. I mean, I really, really do think that Dallas is going to win this game, and it would feel really nice to see them beat the Packers in the playoffs since Rodgers burned us quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Love, good story, second half of the year, just, just getting to the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I think I think the, the road for them ends in Dallas, and, and Dallas has been a powerhouse at home, and I don't think that changes this week.
1: Final game of Sunday, my Los Angeles Rams at the Detroit Lions. Sunday, 8 o'clock. This is a movie. This is literally a movie script to me. Like, you got Matthew Stafford, who, I mean coming out of Georgia, drafted first overall by Detroit Lions, rides it out in Detroit for as long as he did, played as good quarterback as – I mean, he was he was their franchise. He was the face of their franchise for so long, battled so much adversity, took so many hits, so many injuries he dealt with, and he just kept going out there and competing for that team, for that city. They trade him away to the Rams – Rams go all in on them, win a Super Bowl with them, And then because of that trade, Lions had these picks, and then Jared Goff has looked good. Dan Campbell's done a great job. Lions are climbing. Rams won their Super Bowl, and it's like, all right, the Rams, you know, they peaked out. You know, Jalen Ramsey's gone. Um, I looked at it. The, I have a shirt. I have a shirt that has the entire roster of our Super Bowl team from two years ago, Right. 53 men on an NFL roster. I counted Tyre. We have 11 11 players from that team that are on this current team. 11 players. That's the definition of turnover. I've talked about it time and time again this season. Like, I would have never imagined this team being in this spot right here like super wild card weekend and i'm talking about the rams like i would have never thought that in the off season or you know early in the season we were sitting at three and six at one point so i watched them get absolute doors blown off when we went to the rams cowboys game in dallas and at that point i was like oh the season's over like Stafford was hurt at that point to me it was like okay it was it's fun and it's like i still had like a content feeling because we got our super bowl a couple of years ago and that's just going to i'm going to be good with that for a while and i'm fine with like having to rebuild whatever happens happens so for us to be this is this is the definition of playing with house money for them to be in this game but i want to go back to the movie script part stafford wins a super bowl the lions are getting really good and he takes the rams back to the playoffs He didn't even know the names of most of the dudes on this team when they were at practices in the offseason. Like he was just meeting them for the first time. Takes this Rams team to to the playoffs, and now he's playing at Detroit where it all started for him. And Detroit hasn't had a home playoff game in 30 years. 30 years they haven't had a home playoff game. So those fans are that hype. They win the division. They get a home playoff game. They're going to be selling out regardless. And it's like now it's kind of like a, a Debbie downer to that. Like, oh, well, you have to play against Matthew Stafford, who's going to come in here and try to just tear you alive. That's got to be so tough for Lions fans, dude. And I saw that they put out a ban. Anybody who's wearing a Lions Matt Stafford jersey will not be let in the stadium on Sunday. I just think that's fucking whack that they're not even going to allow really? these fans. They're not even gonna allow these fans to go, like show their love for this dude. Like it's not a Rams Stafford jersey. It's a Lions. Like you're still rooting for the Lions, bro. So that was super corny and disrespectful, honestly. For you know, like I said, blood, sweat, and tears that Matthew Stafford laid out for for those people, um, for that fan base, and for that team for as long as he did. That's just kind of a slap in the face. And you're, I think you're just motivating them even more. And I don't want to just give the credit to Stafford. What Sean McVay's done this year, there's going to be a rookie head coach, most likely, who wins coach of the year. But this is by far the best coaching job, Sean. Like when we won a Super Bowl, we had a really good team and we were like on the doorstep. We went to a Super Bowl and we lost. We were on the doorstep for years. You just knew it was going to come. Like, then I felt the pressure that whole playoff run. I felt like immense pressure. I was stressed out, dude, watching those games because it's like, been here before. We already lost. We got this squad. Now we got Matthew Stafford. We went all in on Matthew Stafford because golf wasn't it. Like, we have to, we have to win this shit. Like, that was immense pressure. Now, there's no pressure in the world because like what Sean McVay has done to this, this young team, it's like a mixture, a young team. And then you have Cooper cup, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford. Like we've seen what Puka Nakua has done sets rookie records for most yards, most receptions in a season. Dude's a fifth round pick. Like you want to talk about, structure and like culture and just top to bottom having it as an organization, you pull that off in the fifth round. Are you kidding me? Um, Kobe Turner, third round pick out of Wake Forest. Dude wasn't even on the radar. Wasn't even, didn't even have odds laid out. Weren't even available to pick him defensive rookie of the year. Jalen Carter was the favorite by far all season long. He plays the same position as Jalen Carter and go look at the numbers right now because he's outperformed them in every aspect of playing D-tackle. The only thing that Jalen Carter has is he has a scoop and a score for a touchdown on him. That's all he has that's different. Kobe Turner's been an absolute monster. Back to the game, Tyler, I love the Los Angeles Rams, and this this is my heart betting, but I feel like it's also my head going in the right direction I'm going to take him to cover the three and a half. And I'm also going to sprinkle some money line because I think that secondary, while they did get Carter Johnson back, I think they can expose the hell out of that Detroit defense. Um, as long as you protect up front, like it, which the O line has done a magnificent job. Second half of the season protecting Stafford. And by the way, Kyron Williams haven't even brought him up. Like, Kyron Williams is a, Easily a top 10 running back in the league right now, get him going in the run game. I don't see I don't see a scenario where Detroit's defense does anything to stop the Rams on Sunday. Um, and I can see the Lions lighting our defense up some too as well. Sure, yeah. So the over might be a play here, but I really like the Rams in this game. And another thing to think about is nobody, no coach in the world knows tendencies of Jared Goff more than Sean McVeigh. Nobody knows strengths. Nobody knows weaknesses more than Sean McVeigh. By the way, a brilliant dude. Like, he's a fucking genius. He has everything on Jared Goff. Literally everything. In my opinion, just go back and watch the tape from that Super Bowl against the Patriots where McVeigh can go back and like, all right, how did I call this game? What did Belichick do to stop this offense? There's so many. There's so much that McVeigh has on golf where it's like, yeah, Detroit's really good. Laporte is down. Sucks for them. Detroit's good and they could score. But I think this is a spot where we get pressure on Jared Goff. Like if Aaron Donald gets going in this game, I. I like the I like the Rams straight up, but go ahead. I've been rambling.
3: <laughs> nah, hey, better you than me in this one, you know. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of people will look at the records, you know, and they'll they'll think that you know the Rams are kind of big underdogs in this one. But this is a lot closer of a matchup than I think people are. Um, you know given the rams credit for i i can easily see the rams you know winning this one that that detroit defense has just been soft and a lot of times when you're going into the playoffs it's like who's the hotter team i don't care if you know you had your 13 and 4 is the one seed and you get a 9 and 8 wild card team coming in if they Get into the playoffs and then they win in the wild card round, and now they're playing the one seed. They have all the momentum in the world. And they feel like they're playing on house money, and that one seed or that higher seed's feeling the pressure. It's not a good mixture for that high seed, right? You know, the Rams have the better quarterback. I think the run games are, you know, both teams have good run games, uh, both teams have good receivers. Defense though, right? So then you say, all right, who can protect the quarterback better? I think that the, you know, the line, like you mentioned, the Rams' line has done a lot better of a job the second half of the season. Defensively, I'm taking that Rams unit over Detroit's, hands down. I know that the Rams have a lot of what you would consider no names because nobody knows more than you know. Probably out of those 11 guys on the defensive side of the ball, let's say 10. Everyone knows Aaron Donald. Out of those other ten guys, I bet you, most football fans, people who watch football every week, could probably only name a couple guys on that defense.
1: You better be able so, to name Ernest Jones.
3: <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? So it's like there there's a lot of a lot of guys nobody knows on that defense, but they just play well and they play for each other. That's the biggest thing. Um I think going into this game is going to be which defense is going to step up. Cause we know both offenses can get it done. There's this high, um, you know, firepower on both, uh, on for both teams on the offensive side of the ball. So which defense can step up, get it done. I'm going to put my money on the Rams. I don't even think I'm going to give a shit about the spread. I think I'm just going to go Rams money line on this one, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, if you want to take a safe parlay, sure. You know, throw the Rams in there, tease them a little bit, put them to six, six and a half, maybe seven and a half. But I feel comfortable betting that money line here. I know the Lions. If they win, they'd get that rematch with Dallas, which I feel like a lot of Detroit fans would really, really want. And I'm, I would welcome it. I would love to, you know, have Detroit come to Dallas, run it back, show them who the better team is um but I and also right now I feel like I would rather play Detroit than than LA. You know, I think other than the Niners, the scariest team um to me is is that LA team just because of Stafford and the boys.
1: I will say our secondary has been very vulnerable to just these breakdowns in coverage where teams are getting wide open for these huge touchdowns. So I wouldn't be surprised you know, if Jameson Williams or St. Brown gets loose for one or two. Um, but either way, like I said, I don't see that Detroit defense stopping the Rams. I really don't. Last game of wildcard weekend, we're talking about, well, we're going into Monday night. Right down the road from me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles who choked away the NFC East, just like the Dolphins choked away the AFC East. So now they're playing on the road. They get smoked by the Giants last week. Loose at home to the Arizona Cardinals the week before. Gave that game away, which ended their hopes of winning the division, essentially, with the Cowboys having a game at Washington. I know you're pumped to see the demise of the Philadelphia Eagles right now. I love Um, it. Ton of ton of drama coming out of there, and now we talk about AJ Brown injury. It's not looking good for them. They don't look good at all. Offense has been playing with no rhythm for weeks now. Seems like since that Bills game, there's just been nothing there for that Eagles offense, and they're not fooling any defense. It just seems like they're just running plays out there, and then we talk about their defense. Their defense is trash. It's like Shaq Leonard hasn't looked looked good since they signed him. He doesn't look like the same dude, so you're starting to realize why Franklin took his job in Indy. And then the secondary is we talk about the, the Lions secondary and the Rams secondary not being great, the Eagles secondary might be the worst in the NFL. And this is a playoff team, so it's like it's a glaring weakness on this team right now. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, I already did put a bet in on this game, I put a bet in on bucks to cover and i sprinkled money line just as like i did with the rams because while the bucks haven't looked great down the stretch i just feel like as crazy as it is to say i feel like there's more potential with the bucks offense than there is with the eagles offense right now and it's crazy to say that like thinking that that those would have been words coming out of my mouth like five six weeks ago but i think that's legit like I'm probably going to put a bat in on Baker Mayfield over one and a half touchdowns too. I could easily see him throwing two touchdown passes in this game. Might be maybe even in the first quarter. Honestly, want to throw it any time on Mike Evans. It's never a bad idea either. Um, White has been running the ball a lot better for them, so they have they have a multi-dimensional offense. And Baker, while he hasn't looked great down the stretch, has improved a lot this season. Um. And yeah, Eagles offense doesn't look great. They they failed to establish the run game. They just continue to get Jalen Hurts beat up um instead. There's just nothing going on. and then you combine that with AJ Brown injury and how bad their defense is. I'm leaning Bucks heavy and sprinkling money line.
3: Yeah, I mean, especially do we know what's going on, what hurts his middle finger? I think oh, definitely that was got gross, fucked dude. up. It was that gross. got fucked up. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like this is Philly's year. It doesn't feel like this is a good spot for them either, like the, this game specifically. They need their defense to step up. I don't care how healthy A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are um, and how good Jalen Hurts' middle finger is. Like That defense has been horrific. They have been abysmal. And I talked about it going into the year and it was so crazy, which by the way, Eagles, I think one um, first team since like 1980, something to start the season 10 and one, and then not win their division. It was like, the, the, I think the jets, it was like the jets were the only other team to do that back in the eighties. So um, it's been almost 40 years since something like that has happened. They, could very easily lose this game. And going into the season, I was like, dude, they they lose both their coordinators and a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't see that Eagles defense being the same. I know they got, they drafted Jalen Carter. Um, they got Nolan Smith. They think the Dean's going to step up and be that linebacker um, that, you know, they lost in Edwards. Like, and I, I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I could see it. But at the same time, I wasn't, like, buying it. And then they start out the year undefeated. What did they go, like, 8-0? and It was 8 yeah. or 9-0. and yeah. And then I'm like, holy shit, how the fuck did they do this? Like, how, how did they consider, like, how are they doing it? And then slowly but surely, second half of the year, like you mentioned, after that Bills game, it just fell apart. Their defense fell apart. Their secondary, specifically, more so fell apart, which is not, when you look at them on paper, not bad, right? Bradbury and Slay, top two, like they played great last year. Both of them were probably, you know, borderline. If they didn't make the Pro Bowl, they were probably close to making the Pro Bowl last year. But this year, you know, they haven't played well. They just haven't. I know Garner Johnson was a big loss for them. They brought in um Terrell Edmonds who I thought was a decent player but he lost his job when they traded for Byard and then since Byard's been there who I think we can all agree was a good player his pretty much his whole career he's been somewhat like not there like kind of like a ghost like he's just there like he hasn't made any splash plays for them yet not that that's what it takes to you know be a difference maker but kind of right like you want to make some splash plays Darius Leonard. He hasn't really made any splash plays either. So (sighs) who does make splash plays though? Mike fucking Evans. That's who makes some splash splash plays. The Eagles got to get like, they don't give their run game a chance. They start and then you're like, okay, chunk run, chunk run, chunk run, chunk run, pass, 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 pass. Jalen hurts run. Jalen hurts run. Pass, pass. Here you go, Swift, take one in the second quarter. Okay, we'll give you another two carries in the third and then maybe one or two in the fourth. It's like, bro, stick to the run. Stop being so predictable, and you you might have a chance to win. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I do really enjoy watching the Eagles flail like this. Um, I feel bad for the boys, though. We have a lot of boys who are Eagles fans, and I know this isn't an, an easy stretch by any means to watch, but holy shit. Their OC has got to figure it the fuck out. You can't keep running all these plays with Hurts, and now he's got that middle finger all fucked up. Like, who knows if he's even going to really be able to to grip the ball with, you know, as 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 well as he obviously can when when he's healthy. So I don't know. I think the Eagles are in for a, a, a treat. <laughs> I think Tampa's got a good shot. They have a good shot, especially at home. Are you going? I'm thinking about it. You should look up tickets. See how
1: much those are. I did. They're not that. They're not bad at all. Really? Yeah, I'm oh, thinking shit. about it. Might convince DJ to fly down. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be a blast. Um, I did want to say you absolutely nailed it. Um. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. Talking about like the Eagles' play calling. The rhythm is just so off with that team where they'll get something going in the run game with Swift. And I had Swift on my fantasy team. So I've known about this all season where it's like, he looks so good when you put the ball in his hands. And it's like, all right, that was fun. Now we're going to pass, pass. All right, Jalen Hurts, let's take the shotgun. Let's take the snap, the shotgun, and let's run right or let's run left, you know, and uh, get even more hurt. And then let's air it out and just completely forget about DeAndre Swift and then Rashad Penny who you brought in, in the offseason wasn't even a factor on your team all season. Then Gainwell looks good when he gets the ball too. I feel like there's so much they leave like so much meat on the bone when they're playing offense cuz they don't get the best out of like what they are. Like they're trying to be something that they're not. Like they're trying. I don't know what what they think like they can do. Um, with this group, but it's not it's not just like airing the ball out 40 times and then putting Jalen Hurts in harm's way, like time and time. Like he's not a big dude, he's not Josh Allen. Like he's not this big dude who could just go out there and fight for extra yards and run people over. Like you're legitimately threatening your chance to win every time you run one of those dumbass QB runs. And it doesn't have to be like that. Like, you have this dominant O-line, run the football. Um, but it's going to be hard for, like, teams to just look in the mirror and change, you know, what they've been doing all season long, especially in a week's time. Like, I don't expect the Eagles to come out and light it up because we just haven't seen that. We haven't seen that from them. We've been waiting for it to change and it just hasn't. I did want to mention Darius Slay. He's been banged up all season, so I'm gonna give him a, a pass um, for how he's looked out there. I just think he's been battling all year. Um, Bradbury started off the year with some injuries, but it's like since Bradbury's been out there and he's had to be that number one, he's just not that guy. He's not that guy. Um, I realize maybe at one point in his career with the Giants he was, but he's he's not it. Like he's not a number one corner, so they're just getting exposed, and then you got. These rookies or two-year corners, opposite side of him. It's like Eli Ricks looks like garbage too. I don't want to bash the kid because he's really young. And it's like uh, Job, uh Joby from Alabama, another young corner. So it's like there's going to be mistakes. But having to throw those guys out there hasn't been good. Blankenship taking over is everyday safety for them. Dude's not good. I just feel like – He's either taking the wrong angle of pursuit on like every time a receiver uh, or back, you know, gets deep on that defense. He's either taking a bad angle or he's just too slow. And it's that simple. Like he just he just can't he can't get to him. Um, I don't think he's great in pass defense either. So they got some work to do this offseason. I think they know like deep down this team is they're not gonna magically turn on a switch. Um, they're just not and, and now you throw in the Hurts injuries And wide receiver injuries Even if they do get past the Bucks this week I don't give them any chance um, With whoever they play next week I, I really don't But That is it For our Super Wildcard Weekend Preview Coming up next We're going to get into Questions with a Fan Kansas City Chiefs Edition Joining us now for questions with a fan, Kansas City Chiefs edition is our dear friend, Tyler Albrecht. Tyler, how we doing?
0: What's going on, fellas?
1: Hey, man, it's good to see you. Appreciate you joining us. Um, we graduated with Tyler. Played, I played football with him growing up. He was my center. So we had a really good relationship uh, in high school. Yeah, yeah, sometimes too, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were some there were some fun moments during those practices, especially when it got cold out. I remember that. But um, and then for those who don't know, Tyler's dad, Todd, is has been on our podcast a couple times already talking some mm-hmm. Chicago Bears, and he hey, he might be the podcast number one fan, so Love Todd. It's always nice, Ty or when I'm, I'll just be in the office, you know, working and I'll be, you know, my, I'll be engaged in something and I'll just feel like a zombie and then I'll just peek at my phone real quick and it'll be a text from your dad in the morning about something that the, the Bears are doing or something else going on in the NFL. And I just love that
0: when I can just escape that and talk some ball with him during the day. Dude, the other day, he, t- I texted him about Brabel and uh, he goes, oh, Pat beat you to that by about 10 minutes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it's like that. I'll
1: just be going back and forth with your dad, I swear to God, every day, and I love it. I, uh, it, It's really fun to talk to him. So, Todd, know you know you're watching right now. I wanted to, Ty, before we got into talking about your Kansas City Chiefs, so let's talk about, because I, I value your opinion, um, I know you know Ball. I value your opinion. I want to know what are you thinking. Everybody already knows. Everybody who's watched already knows. Tyler is at a point where he's. We're talking about the Chicago Bears, your dad's team. Tyler is at a point where he said, "Get rid of the coach. Get rid of the quarterback." But that's where Tyler was at. Myself, I said, I like Eberflus. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. I think he's a good defensive mind. He really turned around that defense. But I think it's more important to have an offensive mind, the head coach. Um, each of our teams has that. We we know how special things could be when, you know, things are schemed up, right? I just think that's so valuable for a young quarterback. So to me, it was move on from Everflu's even though, like I said, great defensive mind. But you need – you need an offensive mind head coach come in and really give Justin or Caleb, either one, give them the best chance to succeed. So that's where I was coming from with the coach, and then I said keep Justin because, I, I mean, I think it's there. I think the talent's there. I just think he needs some help, and he had no chance that last game against Green Bay. Just the protection was so bad. So I'm saying keep Fields. Trade that number one pick, get a boatload, um, and build your team um around Justin. Cause I think you could succeed doing that. I think the defense is already there. You foolish is staying with that, but it's huge to me. Biggest thing is finding an offensive coordinator that's gonna work for your quarterback. But Tyre, what are your thoughts on all that?
0: Yeah, it's tough. So going off of what you said about the offensive minded coach, I Personally, kind of hate going the defensive route for head coach because let's say your offense is humming, all of a sudden your OC gets taken away from you every what two years, and exactly. then they have to learn a new system. Either way, you know, like look at Dayball with the Bills. Obviously, the Bills turned it around once he left, but it was really a tough time for, especially at the beginning of this year. So I don't know. Flus has done an, a pretty good job. Um, Flus, the, the players love him, like absolutely love him. So my big thing is either they're going to commit to fluce and Fields, or if you're committing to fluce and you give a you draft Caleb, you draft anyone, you're then three years with Fluose at that point. You know, you're kind of committing to the next three years because really you don't want to ruin one of these guys. You don't want to bring in Caleb and then fire fluce next year, and then all of a sudden you're you know ruining what a generational prospect is what everyone's calling him, you know. So I guess my thought is if you can trade this pick to let's say the commanders or Patriots or whoever end up with the third um, there and then flip it into a first next year, still get Marvin Harrison. And then you still get the ninth overall this year. If you have fields, I think he can win with that, like a loaded roster like that. The problem I think with fields is when is he going to kind of plateau? Like he made strides this year, but there's going to come a point he kind of plateaus and he is what he is too. So you got to trust that he's going to continue to make those strides. And I think they absolutely need to get an OC that they trust. Um, like I was talking to my dad about like someone like pop Hamilton or someone that's really worked with a lot of these younger QBs, um, bringing them in and kind of committing to two, three years and just saying, Hey, we're going to run the offense. We're going to kind of grow and see how far we can get. Um, but I think the biggest issue that they're going to run into is that kind of wishy-washy. They either have to commit to fluce and draft whoever, or if they're keeping fields, then it's probably a one or two year thing. And then it's a total rebuild after that. You can't just keep having the QB cycle and head coach cycle uh, totally off on that either. So I don't know. There's no right answer, but they got to be a hundred percent in on whoever they go with. Um, my other issue with Caleb Obviously, he's been great, but there's been times he hasn't been this past year. And look at the success rate for all these QBs coming out. I mean, even Trevor Lawrence, we thought he was a generational talent. And, I mean, this year he hasn't been what he should have been. He hasn't taken that step. You know, Justin Herbert, he's been great, but he hasn't taken that step. So, you know, there's no guarantee on that side of it. I think with Fields and you building that team around him, at least they can win. You know, all you got to do is get into the playoffs and then see what happens from there. So I don't know. If it was me, I think I wouldn't be sleeping for the next few months. But, you know, I I think I would probably (laughs) consider going with Fields and trading down and just getting a massive haul for that and seeing what happens with Caleb Williams from afar.
2: Mm -hmm. We're going to have to have
1: you on more often. Um, Because that was nice to listen to. I genuinely agreed with everything you said. Um, When it comes to the draft, I think Ryan Poles knows what he's doing. I think that's something that they have in Chicago is a capable GM. So, to me, I trust whatever he decides. And then talking about Caleb Williams just a little bit before we move on, we've seen some things with him um, in his college career, and he has been pretty, I don't want to say like pampered, but he's been, like, everything's been catered to him in college to where he's he's had Lincoln Riley this whole time, started out at Oklahoma, goes to USC with him. He's had it all set up for him. Like, we've seen what Lincoln Riley does for quarterbacks in college. And when there was that adversity that he faced in college, it seemed like he just broke down mentally, emotionally. I don't know, almost like it was too big for him and those are things that are huge red flags for me um obviously the the generational talent from like his skill base the off-platform throws the dude can make um he's got a cannon he's got good mobility he's got like that they're saying like the next mahomes like how he can just evade escape and just make something happen like out of nothing like that's what caleb williams is capable of but there's some red flags that i think Do you really throw it away with Justin um, and risk that? Because what if, like, that protection that Justin had um, last week, Caleb Williams isn't doing anything with that. So when he goes out there on Sunday and he gets pummeled, and I mean pummeled by a defense that's just in his face all day and he can't get anything going and it's cold and, you know, you're down 21. How is that dude going to react on the sideline in front of my team? And to yeah. me, to me, Justin Fields, there's been no signs of that. Guy's been an ultimate team guy. I don't see that with Caleb Williams. I really don't, but I wanna I don't want to talk too much more about that because we got a lot more to talk about. All right, let's move on to what you are here for, Tyler. and that is to talk about your beloved Kansas City Chiefs. So How about them, as I said earlier in the episode, um Knowing you, you know, we've been friends for over 20 years now. And I've known since back in those days when the Chiefs stunk and the Rams stunk. And it was always everybody else's teams that were going to the playoffs. And, you know, they were having fun for And you and I were always just in the dumps year after year. I'll never forget that. And I remember texting you um, 2018, I believe, when we played that legendary Monday night game. Rams-Chiefs, Jared Goff went off, Mahomes went off, and the final score was way – I don't remember exactly what the final score was, but it was just insane game, back and forth, back and forth. And I remember texting you, and I was like, dude, can you believe this is us right now? Like this is our two teams right now after what we went through growing up with some of the quarterbacks that we saw and some of the offenses. Like I remember the Dwayne Bow days when they had like one receiving touchdown the whole year by wide receiver and it was just cool to like text you and be like dude we we fucking made it and then sure enough your team wins a super bowl my team wins a super bowl you win another one that's it's just crazy to think about but as i've asked other people that grew up where we came up in upstate new york how the hell did you become a kansas city chiefs fan
0: so that, I wish I had some cool story to tell. I really don't. Um, so obviously like, like you said, my dad had been a Bears fan. I had no local like ties to the Bills or the Giants or whoever, you know, we grew up with pretty much all Bills Giants and Patriots fans. Um, so growing up, I probably should have became a Bears fan, but luckily dodged that bullet. Um, but so I mean, there's all the players I liked to watch when I was a kid. You know, growing up watching Trent Green, Dwayne Bowe, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson. Like there was just so many fun players to root for. Um, and then that was when Dick Vermeil was was their head coach, and he was like such an easy guy to root for. Um, so like I just kind of latched on at that point. I mean, I've been a Chiefs fan as long as I can remember. Um, the one funny piece of it is I think I don't know it was like ten years ago or so. we were cleaning out my room. And someone gave me one of those, like, pa- like pages that had, like, um, top song when you were born and, like, you know, the population where you're born. But it had Monday Night Football that that day because it was born on a Monday. And it was Chiefs beat the Raiders. And so that's what my parents always say is how I became a Chiefs fan was, you know, they, they beat the Raiders Monday night and kind of started everything. I'll never forget
1: LJ. That dude was a monster And then after Larry Johnson, you got – or excuse me, I forgot Priest Holmes. So you go from Priest Holmes to LJ, and then you got Jamal Charles. Like that run of Mm -hmm. running backs for the Chiefs was always amazing. But they just never had like that that solid, consistent quarterback play. But I want to ask you, going back to all those teams growing up, who was your favorite player, or maybe a couple of them, who was like the guy, though, that you really
0: loved growing up? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I just named a few, but, like, the ones that really, really stick out, I mean, Dante Hall, like, how could you not just be kind of glued to your seat at that point whenever he has the ball? I mean, like, everyone's seen the punt return against Denver. I mean, he's a freak. Um, And then as I got a little bit older, went into, like, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, but the ones that really, like, that kind of middle school, high school region that I just always remember – I had both of their jerseys. Um, Derek Johnson, uh, middle linebacker, he was all over the field. He would take over games. Um, still should have had a playoff win against the Titans if they didn't do a uh, phantom, phantom um, uh, stopping Mariota's momentum there when it should have been a sack. But, you know, not holding on That's to That's
3: when Mariota caught his own touchdown, right? Same, same game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and then the other one, Eric Berry, I mean, how can he not love Eric Berry's story where he got diagnosed with cancer and still came back still played? Um, the Chiefs' tr- head trainer was saying they would weigh him every day and they would just get as much protein in him, get as much kind of like mass gainers in while he was going through cancer treatment. And they weighed him right in the beginning and right at the end. And he actually gained like one pound, literally one pound of uh, muscle by the end of his cancer treatment so like that guy was just putting in so much work so much heart um it's just impossible not to root for the guy i forgot about eric berry what a legend
3: mm-hmm.
0: and i think for you
1: guys that turnaround point was when you brought in andy reed after he gets fired in philly where do you remember like what your initial thoughts were when that happened or like were you excited did you feel like hey andy reed was was a really good coach, and I think this is great. I know it's easy to, like, look at – looking at it now and seeing the success that he's had, but can you take me back to when that first happened? So,
0: to just put it in perspective, growing up where we were with Giants fans and Patriots fans, I was rooting for Tyler Thinkpen and Tyler Bray, thinking that those two guys were, like, the future when the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So, like, any change was was needed. Um, When – when they brought Andy in, it was like a, it was actually a really tough time. They went two and fourteen the year before. I don't know mm. if you guys really remember it with the whole Javon Belcher story where he was their middle linebacker and December of I think it was what twenty twelve at that point. Um, it was a like a murder suicide and in mm. front of Romeo Cornell, in front of Scott Pioli, so there was this really like super oh, dark gosh. cloud over the team. And, like, I don't know why that story, like, mm-hmm. I feel like no one really talked about it after that. Like, everyone just kind of moved on. But there was a super, super dark cloud over that entire team, entire organization at that point. Because it was, like, a practice facility. And, like, there, I think they just needed that hard reset. And looking at the coaches that came in that year. So Andy was obviously the most tenured. And then it was guys like Chip Kelly, Bruce Arians. Uh, I think the Bears hired Trustman that year. That coaching cycle. So obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but like looking at it, Andy was really the only choice to kind of take reins and pull them out of that like just dark cloud over the whole franchise. Being an Oregon Ducks fan, I was kind of hoping for Chip Kelly just because I thought it'd be a fun you know transition. But I mean, really, I think Andy was was the only move for them just because you knew what you got out of them. Um, especially going from guys like Todd Haley to Romeo Cornell, you wanted someone with experience and experience winning, too. Todd Haley,
1: right? Todd Haley, yeah, he was something, yeah. Um, so you really started to find success with Andy Reid when you know they they get Alex Smith from San Francisco, who at that point, guy was drafted. Uh, he was first overall pick with the Niners, in the same draft class as Aaron Rodgers, and he was kind of looked at as a bust for what he did with the Niners. That was fun to watch, that whole Alex Smith era, because he was just completely proving the doubters wrong. And it's like, yeah, Andy is a great offensive mind, but Alex Smith was playing really good quarterback. I remember a game where they went to New England, uh it was prime time it was like week one or week two of the season it was uh kareem hunt's rookie year and alex smith yeah that was, that was a Hunt. season opener yep they just lit him up out there and they looked so good like the chiefs offense looked so good that game like their offense was really good with alex smith and then obviously kelsey comes into the mix too and he's a great weapon for him and that's you know when we first started hearing about kelsey it was back then so Going back to that Alex Smith era where I don't know if it was to me it kind of feels like it was you were in a situation where you were always just gonna peek out at a certain point. But looking back at it for you as a Chiefs fan, that whole era, do you feel like that team overachieved? Or do you think that, you know, they really left something out there um, and they could have competed for a Super Bowl and should have?
0: I think that team had no right competing for a Super Bowl. Um, I think they were probably right where they should have been. I mean, it was a super talented roster, and Andy took over, too. They had six Pro Bowlers they retained. You know, the defense was actually really, really good with, like, you know, Marcus Peters, Justin Houston, Tom Lee It was a great team. Um, I just think Alex wasn't going to kill you, but he wasn't going to win games either. Like, he was great for that reset, but I don't see him taking you over the hunk. As much as I hate to say it, um, but I, I think they probably were right where they should have been. You know, a few wild card appearances, winning the division a couple times. But, you know, they had a winning season every year. And like, that's all I could have asked for to just be like in the hunt, to be competitive in like December and January. I was thrilled at that point. So, you know, I, I think they're probably right where they should have been. And but I think it was an awesome reset. And I think it's what the whole franchise really needed to get that winning culture back.
1: Agreed. So you get to that level where you are winning culture and then they saw the same thing where it's like, well, we're only going to get to a certain level. They knew that. So they trade up in the draft, take Patrick Mahomes. Going back to though, when they drafted him, they trade up for him. Did you really get to see him at all at Texas Tech or did you have any like strong feelings about him then?
0: So when they traded, it's kind of funny. When they traded up, I actually wanted them to stay where they were and take Tredavious White, which would have been a fine pick with the Bills ended up taking with that pick. Um, But, I mean, honestly, yes, I knew exactly who he was. I knew, you know, the Chiefs were interested. I knew they were actually, like, really doing their homework on him. Um, They were scouting him pretty early on, but at the time, I mean, obviously, I didn't know that. Realistically, when they moved up, I thought they were taking Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson made the most sense at that point to the proven winner in college. He had all the attributes, you know, so I actually kind of thought they weren't going Mahomes at all. Obviously, I knew what his game was like. We saw the uh, game against him and Baker Mayfield where they combined for like whatever, 1100 yards or something stupid. But I really didn't expect them to take him there. Um, I thought that big of a trade-up was for Watson. I thought if they're going to go Mahomes, they're going to trade up to like 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that ballpark and not give up next year's first for it. It turns out that the Saints wanted him at 11 anyways. So I think they kind of had to trade up to where they did. But yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I wish I could say, yeah, I saw this coming a mile away. I just knew he was that raw prospect. He was that guy that had a cannon for an arm, it could make every throw, but also was fairly raw. Um, But then looking back on it, you look at, you know, those Texas Tech teams, and all of a sudden you're realizing there's not a ton of talent on those teams either. So, you know, him making an error and throwing a pick very well could have on the receivers too. So, you know, looking back on it, you know, obviously it seems like the, the obvious pick, but no, I really didn't see it coming.
1: Crazy, and he just takes off. Tyler, anything you want to throw in? Tyler Pratt,
2: yeah. I was just gonna say, can you imagine if you know Kansas City didn't take him and then Sean Payton got his hands on him? Like, that's another interesting avenue that could have been Mahomes' career is in New Orleans with Sean Payton. Um, but yeah, that's really it.
1: I want to talk about that 2018 season. We talked about the legendary Monday night game where Chiefs Rams. And Mahomes won MVP this year. They get to, they get all the way to the AFC title game, host the New England Patriots, Tom Brady. I remember it was a shitty weather game, and they were in it down to the wire. They get an interception late in that game that would have sealed it, if I'm not mistaken. And D Ford had jumped offsides. So the Patriots got another opportunity, end up beating them going back to that team in 2018, just talk to me about like what it was like seeing that offense, just putting up fireworks like week after week after week. And you're like, holy shit. Like that's my quarterback for the next, you know, 10 plus years. Like this guy is incredible. This is so fun to watch. I can't believe like we're here right now. And then you get all the way to the AFC title game and you got a real shot to get to the Super Bowl. You have it. You jump off sides. Take me back to like, your whole emotional um, experience that season.
0: Yeah, so obviously, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know, the whole first half of the season, I really wasn't a hundred percent, like wholeheartedly convinced that Mahomes was who he is. You know, I knew what he looked like in training camp, I knew what he looked like in preseason, but he came out so good so early. Like, okay, how much of this is Andy Reid scheming him up? You know, they had a good receiving core at that point. Um, They had a fairly good offense in general at that point. So how much is really, uh, you know, Mahomes becoming what he is? Um, and then realistically, probably about that, you know, Rams game was when I realized, okay, he's staying in this game. The Rams are just throttling the defense, but Mahomes is keeping him in this game. Like, that's what they've needed for so long. Even after I think he threw one or two picks in that game, like both quarterbacks turned the ball over in that game a couple times, but he stayed in it. And like, that's what you see now is that where you're never out of it. Um, so, yeah, I actually think that that Rams game was probably the turning point where in my head, I was like, you know what, this guy is legitimately probably will be the, you know, future of the, of the franchise there.
3: Oof. Yeah. You
0: get all the way to the AFC title game. And then, uh, you know, you said they were in it to the wire, but they really, you know, the first half, I, I mean, if I remember correctly, they were shut out or they only scored three. Um, mm. So, you know, they ended up losing the game. All they needed was get it going a little sooner in the game and who cares about the interception. It would have been a totally different game. So you know, you look back on like, man, D Ford cost us whatever. But really, that first half game plan is what kind of haunts them more than anything. Because I truly think if they win that game, they'll probably win that Super Bowl. Like it it was just heartbreaking to watch D Ford go to see the flag and to know it was D Ford because he was battling injuries at that time. His uh, you know, career with the Chiefs was kind of close to an end and everyone knew it and to see that he was the one that cost it, like it was as a fan, I was kind of heartbreaking because like, man I wanted him to succeed so bad that pass rush just hasn't been good all year and have that be the error to actually cost it when really, I mean, if they scored anything in the first half, it would have been a totally different game. Um, but yeah, it was unreal. It was unreal because really like I said, I was growing up, I'm thinking Tyler Thigpen, you know, Tyler Bray, uh, you know, even going back the trent green i thought all those guys were you know face of the franchise we're going to be good forever and then you know Matt castle is is, yeah matt castle is putting his hat on on the sidelines and having to fall off his head to you know epitomize that whole era you know to have that and realize that it, it was an unreal roller coaster
1: going back to that afc title game compare that i want to fast forward to 2021 Compare that loss in that AFC title game to the Patriots to that loss at home against Cincinnati. Percent different.
0: The the Patriots was like genuinely like a down moment. Like, you, I hated the Patriots at that point. They were always going to be the ones to knock out the Chiefs, and they hadn't been anywhere. You know, all of a sudden you get the success in the playoffs, they hadn't been anywhere, and that. Was an overtime game or right i think it came down to ot with the uh patriots ran it in um so you know thinking you have a chance all the way to the end and then just watching tom brady orchestrate a drive all the way down the field Holmes doesn't touch the ball and it it was just heartbreaking versus you look at like the bengals loss that was frustrating like that's a team that should not have lost there's no excuse for them losing that game they were up, what was it, twenty-one or twenty-four, nothing going into um, half there, and the play—I don't know if you remember—where they threw it to Tyreek. At, it was like second goal or whatever, right before halftime, and they threw it to Tyreek, and he stayed in bounds, and the clock expired, and all of a sudden they lose in an OT game. I mean, like, come on, just get the points. You're get, getting too cute with it, Andy, which you know is always Sorry. everyone's critique for him. <laughs> um but just get the points and just throttle them in the second half you know but then all of a sudden they took their foot off the gas and then they stopped running the ball for whatever reason and it was just a frustrating loss because they really had no excuse losing that game um and they kind of deprived us from the 2018 rematch with the with the Rams in the Super Bowl there I was just about to say like we
1: were that close to playing each other in the Super Bowl that year and then 2021, that game against the Bengals, we had Justin Forbes on talking about the Bengals early in the season, and I talked about that specific play on during that Super Bowl run for them. I was like, that specific play in that game was the ultimate turning point because exactly what I said, same words. I said, Kansas City had the game. They got way too cute going into half. Don't get it. And you could see immediately, literally immediately after that play, you could just see like the downheads, You know, for the Chiefs and Cincinnati is rowdy. They're all riled up going into that tunnel. And they were getting – they were still down, I think, three possessions maybe. But you could just feel at that point, like, getting a stop there. Hey, we're not getting our, our doors blown off here. Like, we came to compete at least. And Tyreek stays in bounds. That was the ultimate turning point. They come back in that game, when. And I just thought that was, like, devastating for Kansas City, that loss, to give that up. Because, like you said, they had no business losing that game with what they were doing in that first half, just getting whatever they wanted. Tyreek looked unstoppable. The whole offense looked unstoppable. It was crazy to see, you know, McPherson put that through the uprights, and it's like, damn, the Bengals are are going to the Super Bowl right now. But I want to move on to 2019, the year you do get it done. This is your first Super Bowl as a fan like we said we came up our teams were not good talk about that year where like that whole journey and then you go to the super bowl in miami against the 49ers you're down at half and mahomes puts on a show second half comes all the way back you beat the 49ers in the super bowl take me back to that season and in that moment, did you feel like, hey, we just lost the AFC title game last year. Now we won a Super Bowl. We got this going on. Like, we see what Mahomes is. Like, is this a dynasty in the making? Did you feel like that?
0: Yeah. So, going back to the year, so you come off that loss to the Patriots, and then they started the year, I think they were six and four, six and five, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so, they started the year, I mean, Winning record, but not where you would have thought they would have started. You're thinking, you know, eight and one, somewhere in that ballpark. So all of a sudden, the doubters start to kind of creep in. You know, you're doubting Mahomes a little bit. You're like, okay, it was last year a fluke? Where are we at this year? And then they get into the playoffs, and again, not really lighting the world on fire, but they started to get hot towards the end of the year. And then they played. What was it? The Texans was they're down twenty four to nothing. And then that was in the first half and they went into halftime. I, I remember it was 24 to 21. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, no, they can actually handle this. And then they had the Titans game where that was what they're down. I forget what it was. It was two possessions again. And then Mahomes has that 27 yard 30 yard TD run that he's, mm-hmm. doing, he's spinning off of guys. And, you know, so they came back from a lot. You know both of those games they came back from a lot team came overcame a lot to get there and then um, you put them in the Super Bowl they're still down two possessions so like that's where it started the thoughts where if as long as Mahomes has the ball and has time I'm not that worried and it really kind of uh, spoiled me as a fan because now even I watch games and I'm like okay it's two possessions you know six minutes left I'm sure they'll find a way to get it done really until this past year it's been kind of no doubt because of that but yeah it it was unreal watching because really up until that point i didn't have that faith in in the team but then when they ran the wasp play to, to tyreek with i forget what it was it was midway through the fourth quarter of the super bowl and then they hit the the touchdown to Damian williams like that point you realize okay this is legit this is Probably could be a dynasty, not saying it's the start of a dynasty, but it absolutely could be because they're young. You know, Kelsey was still in his 20s at that point or just turned 30. Tyreek was young. Um, You know, the running back, the whole room was young. So you, you thought, okay, yeah, this team could absolutely turn into some sort of dynasty if everything goes according to plan.
1: And it was looking like that the next season. It was just they continued to roll. They will go 14-2 the next season after win, winning the Super Bowl. They get all the way to the Super Bowl again. So it's like, yeah, like the Chiefs are the new Patriots. Like that's how they were being looked at. And you lose that game to the Bucks in the Super Bowl, 31-9 to it was, where they just completely got after Mahomes and – A lot of people weren't giving Tampa Bay a chance in that game and their defense completely took over. I'll never forget it. Like Mahomes was under duress the entire game and he was having to make these ridiculous, unbelievable throws where he was like diving in midair and still getting it off. And it was always accurate, but somebody would be dropping it. You know what I mean? Like the most ridiculous throws I can remember him making in that game. Pretty dominant performance by their defense and the Chiefs just looked outmatched up front in that game and obviously you lose that game and then that's when Andy completely rebuilds the O line. But how were how were your feelings after that Super Bowl loss and that that whole season in general?
0: Yeah, so you bring up a great point with the um, acrobatic throws and everything. So the one that I distinctly remember was Mahomes being literally parallel to the ground, getting the ball off, and I there was two big drops in the game. I think this was Damian Williams; it could have been Tyreek, but it hit him in the face mask. Like it literally hit the receiver in the face mask as Mahomes is parallel to the ground. It would have been at the goal line, and it's like as soon as that play happened, I realized there's like there's no chance. There, there's no way the cards are not going to fall for this one. Um, but in some regards, so that Super Bowl loss, they had they were down three offensive linemen. They were down both their tackles, both season-ending injuries with um, Fisher and Schwartz, and both of those guys were done after that year. So in some regards, I was almost in a way glad they got blown out and embarrassed as opposed to a close loss, because the fear with creating a dynasty is the complacency, right? You know, of just being happy that you're always in it. But that loss, I think, kind of lit a fire under Andy, but also Brett Beach, their general manager, who totally overhauled the, the offensive line, spent draft capital on him, um, brought in Joe Tooney, uh, at the time the biggest contract for a guard ever. Uh, following year, they went out and got Orlando Brown. So they totally retooled that offensive line, and now it's, it, it is a strength. Their tackles are weak this year, part of it's injury, part of it's, you know, play um but their interior offensive line who all guys are under contract for at least another year here i, I would put that up against any team so i think that really did light a fire on drum my feelings during the game it was brutal to watch i hated every second of it but it still showed you know the has the arm talent has the creativity to do whatever so you know i was still confident in the team going into the following year i mean they went 14 and 2 like you have to have some sort of confidence. Um, So that retooling, I think, was the biggest piece of it.
1: Right. And that next year we mentioned earlier, 2021, you get to the AFC title game. Talk about that play against the Bengals. They end up losing to Cincinnati. But I can't talk about that year without talking about the 13-second miracle against the Bills. Take me back to that game for you because that was an unbelievable heartbreak that Bills fans will never forget and that's something that you always have over them so take me back to that game
0: before we where we grew up i mean bills fans are everywhere i went to college in rochester bills fans are everywhere i have multiple group texts just bills fans and we're just i was getting roasted in like multiple chains like multiple group texts after gabe davis had his what was his fourth touchdown so (laughs) At that point, I was so so salty about it that I almost just turned the TV off. It's like, all right, I'm going to bed. I have to work the next morning. It is what it is. But I mean, I, there—that was one point I realized that there was no chance. Um, especially watching Gabe Davis just run wide open, like there, it, that secondary was brutal that year. But then watching them actually orchestrate that, and the first play was. First play was Tyreek, I believe, where they had him run and just go. And then instantly you see Kelsey follow behind him with a call on timeout. Um, and then the next one is the one to Kelsey, where you just hear Mahomes screaming, Kels, do it, Kels, do it. So there wasn't anything designed. He just told to run the seam. And he just threw a trustee. He was there. And then Bucker hit that. It, it was such a roller coaster. Um, but as soon as Ty- it was. You know, the Tyreek catch, I thought, okay, there is a chance to actually get in the field goal range. And then as soon as it went to OT, there's no way the Bills were coming back from that. It was such a momentum shift. I mean, there's there that team was kind of hanging their head at that point. Like there was no chance.
1: I want to talk about that following offseason. You trade Tyreek Hill. And I understand it because you got to pay the quarterback. And Tyreek's going to cost a hell of a lot of money so hey let's get these picks and you know build the rest of our roster build our defense up going back to that like were you pissed
0: so it's kind of tough I mean Tyreek is a polarizing person as well I mean there's been some pretty not you know great allegations against him as well um but no looking back on it it wasn't between paying mahomes or you know that it was going to happen either way it was between paying chris jones or tyreek they weren't going to pay both the picks that they got from tyreek they ended up getting trent mcduffie which threw a trade again to the patriots but generally that pick was trent mcduffie and they got sky Moore. sky more probably been a bust i mean realistically he's in a second year he's probably been a bust but trent mcduffie i would rank as like a top probably 20 25 corner in the league I
2: would take Great
3: nickel. that
0: plus the money. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'd take that plus the money any day of the week. Um, they got a Super Bowl out of it. And quite frankly, if, you know, like Tyler, if I set up, you know, get rid of Dak and get rid of CD for a Super Bowl, I think you'd consider it, even if it was just one, you know? So I looking back on it, I have no problems with it. Was I worried? Yeah. Um, but it was a different different roster, too, looking at it this year. Yeah, I would kill to have Tyreek on my team right now. Um, But, yeah, no, I I think it worked out, honestly, for both teams.
1: Yeah, and, A, it's going to be a reunion. It's going to be a party this weekend, Tyreek back in Kansas City. Unfortunately for him, it looks like it's going to be freezing. So um, we could talk about that game in a little bit. I want to go through um, along this timeline with you. So last year without Tyreek, Somehow you pull it off. You weren't looked at like as that same explosive team, but you were still getting it done, finding a way to win because of Mahomes' greatness. You get all the way to the Super Bowl again. You're down again, and you come back and win it in Arizona where I got to see you and catch up with you. Uh, we were both there out there watching the Super Bowl. Not at the game, unfortunately, but it was, it was a pretty nice watch party we had going on. Take me back to last season, though, like that run that you go on and just like the comparison of that Super Bowl run and then the one you made where you ended up beating the 49ers.
0: to yeah, touch the Niners win. Because, again, you're looking at it as, well, this is kind of expected. They should be make a deep playoff run, even this year. Like, let's say they lose on Saturday, which they very well could. You know, that's an absolute failure of a season versus the Texans looking at their season, they're thrilled, you know. So it's just expected at that point. So nothing's gonna touch the Niners. They weren't expected to be there. Everyone was rooting for Andy Reid. Now really nobody is, nobody's rooting from Mahomes. So, you know, it's it's a different, very different feel. Yeah, last year it was interesting. So MVS, who has had like twenty catches this year and probably close to that in drops, it feels like played a huge role last season you know he had over 100 yards against the Bengals uh in the AFC championship game he had pretty crucial catches against the Eagles but the big thing that like looking at that playoff run so watching the Jags game that um, first game of the playoff run when Mahomes had the high ankle sprain he it looked like he was like done and then it looked like the Chiefs were done really and then Chad Henney drove it 98 yards down the field um I think that is the biggest play of that run. Without it, I don't think they leave the first weekend of the playoffs. Um, and then you look at the Bengals game, LeJarius Sneed, you know, their number one corner, gets a concussion like four plays in. And then you look at the Bengals receiving court, and you think, okay, they're just going to start shredding them. But then Chris Jones starts to take over. And then what the Chiefs also have done is just drafted a bunch of corners. They haven't taken anyone high other than Trent McCuffey but they've drafted a bunch of corners and just hope that they kind of stick. And they ended up starting four, for um, three corners in a, in a rookie safety, you know, all first-year guys. And they played phenomenal that game. Uh, they played phenomenal in the Super Bowl even. So you're trusting all these young guys with spags who sets them up in positions to succeed by getting Chris Jones' pressures, by getting uh, corner blitzes that had quick pressures. So that was the biggest turning point was really that Chad Henne drive and then the that young secondary stepping up and then you look at how that translates into this year is again the defense stepping up and the offense really so you know it's tough to say but realistically looking at it like looking at the receiving board juju was i think underrated in that room he was that third down guy that wasn't kelsey um that they could trust to get to the get to the sticks and just sit there and find that opening versus you look at like sky Moore this year mvs this year tony this year none of them are finding the openings in the defense none of them are having that unscripted just creativity type plays and i think that's what's really hurting them compared to last year when juju was able to do that kelsey was doing it obviously so i think that's the the biggest difference between the two years
1: let's get on We've been talking about this year. Let's wrap it up and talk about this year's team. Once again, it's been a blast talking to you. Appreciate you coming on. Um, It's been a wild season for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of drama going on. Talking about sideline drama, yelling at the refs. And we're talking about Travis Kelsey's got a girlfriend, Taylor Swift. Eesh. who's sitting up in the press box. And now his podcast has taken off completely. He's everybody's household name. Like all the Swifties are watching football because of it. There's just so like much attention in on the Kansas City Chiefs this season because of all of this going on. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. And then we're talking about Kadarius Tony, the drama that's going, going on to him. A couple of games where he's really cost the team. The wide receiver group as a whole right now, just I don't know how as a fan you would be confident at all in that group. Talk about Sky Moore, and I agree. Dude just looks like a – like, I don't see it. Looks like a bust at this point. Rasheed Rice is a real problem. Like, that hit on that dude, great player. But anyways, I want to hear about your opinion on everything I just mentioned. And then do you think this team – like? Are they dead? Do they have a chance in this, in this playoffs?
0: So that, that's a lot to unpack. Um, so let's talk about the the drama first. So it's super frustrating as a fan. It's super frustrating for a few reasons. Like one, again, going back to being a longtime fan, you remember the years of Alex Smith, everyone, like, Everyone was like, "Man, maybe the Chiefs can do it." Like, I'm really hoping the Chiefs pull it off. And now, all of a sudden, everyone just is so sick of them. And that it's becoming that Patriots hate that, like everyone's just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I'm, I'm just sick of them. Um, but I think so. Let's talk about the Kelsey and Taylor Swift thing. That's not on either of them. That's on the NFL just milking it. I mean, they show how many times they cut to her in the press box. She hasn't done anything to announce anything. I mean, she just shows up to the games and hangs out in you know, the Kelsey uh, suite or whatever, and that's it. So I don't know what you want them to do other than keep it quiet, but I don't think you should force two 30-something-year-olds to have to keep it quiet. You know, um, So that piece, I, I blame the NFL on that wholeheartedly. I'm sure it's annoying for them, too.
1: National um, media as a whole.
0: Yeah, for sure. They know it'll get clicks. I mean, that's a big thing. Travis today said he's not planning on retiring anytime soon. I actually think he's going after Tony Gonzalez's yard record at this point because he's like, you know, three or four thousand off. So if he's not retiring anytime soon, I think he's going to be eyeing something for the long haul. And to say it now before a playoff run, I don't know. It's a very weird timing. But then getting into like the Mahomes Young and the refs and all that, That piece was, again, super frustrating as a fan. Obviously, he shouldn't have been behaving the way he did, yelling at the refs and all that. Super emotional game, though. Um, And that team was so frustrated at that point. Literally the week before is when MBS got just destroyed by uh, Green Bay. He got tackled, essentially, at the five-yard line or whatever. And the refs didn't call up. So the officiating this year as a whole has been bad across the league. It's been inconsistent. I mean, we've seen it just with the Lions game, you know, what, a couple weeks ago. It's been super inconsistent. So I think the refs were the scapegoat at that point. Um, and that was a really easy way for, you know, Mahomes to not just say, hey, yep, you know, the receiving crew was, uh, receiving corps is letting me down i think that was the easy scapegoat to kind of bring everyone together and to try to right the ship i think the part of it that really bugs me the most was him going up to josh after and josh looking at him being like what do you want from buddy?" like i know they're friends and i who knows what josh said to him but it was just a weird look um but again i think it was just frustration boiling over and that was the easy kind of scapegoat on that
1: like brady had his meltdowns too so and i feel like nobody was ever giving him shit about it either so Going back to Kelsey though, Tyler, I think he looks a little
0: washed up right now. What do you think? I so one one quick thing going back to it, uh, not to just keep going back to it. Um, but Brady, that that was the big thing was Brady. I mean, I distinctly remember him running after the refs to the tunnel against the Panthers on some stupid mm. like Monday night game or whatever. This is the first PR moment that Mahomes has looked bad. Like, really, like him personally has looked bad in, and I think that's where a lot of the media kind of jumped on it too. You know, Jackson, Brittany, you know, all that wasn't bad. So I think this is the first bad PR moment. So I think that's what are your thoughts on those two?
1: Sorry to interrupt. I don't want to forget this. What are your thoughts on those two? Uh,
0: We'll talk about Jackson first because that's easier. I mean, he has he assaulted, he was sexually harassed or assaulted a woman Mm -hmm. on camera. Like, I. Don't really have much love for him. Um, he's a, I mean, he's a kid. It was a kid. He's not a kid anymore. So like when he was doing the TikTok dances, whatever. He was like 18. Like I'm sure if you or I, our older brother was Patrick Mahomes, I'd be doing something embarrassing too. I might not be doing TikTok dances on midfield or whatever. Um, but now after the footage, I, I don't really have much love for him. But Brittany, I think is tough. Uh, Pat grew up, his dad played in the, in the major leagues. So he knew how to be a pro a whole lot more than Brittany did, but they're, I mean, they got together in high school. She is kind of the ultimate ride or die to an annoying point, you know, like she will a hundred percent back Pat and do everything for him to the point where everyone else is annoyed around her. Um, but I think she's a hundred percent supportive of him. She's been much quieter the past two years, uh, much less out of the public eye the past two years compared to, compared to the 2018 to 2021 years. I think she's been a lot quieter uh, she's dumping drinks know. on people. That was, that was before <laughs> that was like three years ago at this point. No, I'm saying, uh, yeah, that, that was when. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, so that's a that's the big thing is like I think that Pat probably sat her down and it's like well and they went through some PR training together and you know she has been better, um, but I think she is who she is too. And I think at the end of the day, she's a ride or die for Pat. And whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I don't think she really cares. <laughs>
1: I wasn't going to bring up Brittany Mahomes, but I had to. <laughs>
0: that's, that's the first thing everyone wants to talk about. And I mean, yeah. at the end of the, I mean, I cheer for the team, not the uh, supporting cast, I guess. She, she I don't just know.
1: Annoyed, like, she just annoyed the yeah. shit out of me in that Netflix special. Couldn't, I hate it. Like every time Mahomes was at home, I was like, oh, my
0: God, let's move on, please.
1: I'm just so well.
2: glad Jackson wasn't part of that.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> But, again, Mahomes came out of it looking good, and then everyone around him didn't. So, like, I don't know. It's tough. I mean. Oh, yeah. As long as they're happy. And I
1: got, know, I, guess. I still have nothing against Mahomes, like, for that whole thing that he did is what it is. Um, like you said, that was the first moment where you really saw him, like, blow up and make himself look bad. So, I don't have, like, any hate for Patrick Mahomes. I'm not sitting there rooting for them to lose and, like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of their dominance because they haven't been, like, that – they haven't been that team, like, that you hate, like, that you want to hate because, like, they did something wrong or anything. It's just been a great team to watch, fun team to watch. And, yes, the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey shit is super annoying, and that may – like. That may want me to be like, oh, my God, I just don't want the Chiefs to play anymore because I'm done listening to this. So, like, that is something. But besides that and the team as a whole, like, I don't – there's no ill will towards the Chiefs. I'm not, like, sick of them winning or anything. I have all the respect in the world for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But I want to dive more into this season, this playoff matchup against the Dolphins this week. How confident are you going into that game and then – maybe you're not too worried about Miami, but after that, like, can this team make a deep run? I know you got a great defense, Bolton's back, who's a baller, but there's just not been consistent rhythm with that offense. So what do you think
0: about their chances? There, there's no reason to be confident in this offense going into this game. Uh, I think Miami's the best draw other than the Steelers. I think Miami's the best draw for them for the first game, just because of everything from weather and all that. But at the end of the day, I mean, Raheem Oster, uh, Ant, all their running game is phenomenal in Miami. So I think that they can absolutely pull it off. Um, I think the difference is their defense is just destroyed with injuries. Um, I mean, their pass rushers right now are Melvin Ingram, and I think they just signed Justin Houston. Like, that's their edge rushers for this game. So, you know, if, if the Chiefs lose to the Dolphins this week, I'm— almost glad they didn't have to play the Bills again or didn't have to play the Ravens because it would have been embarrassing. Because, I mean, really, the Dolphins, I actually feel for for their injury luck. But that offense, I think, will still put up points. They got Jalen Waddle back, or should have Jalen Waddle back. They'll have Mostert back. I think that that could turn into a little bit of a track meet as much as it can be for a game that's like minus 15 degrees with wind chill. But at the same time, if they get it together on offense it's a championship caliber defense. I mean, there's no reason that they can't get a little bit of a run going again. They only lost to the bills by three. They haven't gotten blown out in any game this year. I mean, their biggest loss I think was still two possessions It was like a 15 point loss. So that's where I feel more confident in them than I maybe do like Philly who has gotten blown out a few times or a team like that. um, Just because of the defense. Um, But yeah, if the offense can't get it right this weekend, then even if they win, there's, no chance going forward. Um, They have to have some sort of success going forward here, which they did a little bit to end the year too. Um, And having, you know, a rest week last week, I think will help them.
1: It's interesting. You say that you're thinking track me because Tyler and I beginning this episode, we're going through the games and talking about our leans. I said, I absolutely love the under in this game. Um, Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's an outlier, but I think the combination of the weather um, and just how the chiefs offense hasn't clicked. I could see both teams really trying to utilize the run game in this game. So I think we're not going to have, um, like these super explosive plays, quick drives. I think it's going to be more of a ground and pound kind of game than people think. Like, I know we think about like dolphins chiefs, like these are two, you know, high powered teams, but these teams could run the football. And Pacheco is back now, so that's huge. Um, I love Pacheco to score a touchdown in that game as well. I think the Chiefs win this game, though. I think, like you said, the Dolphins are just way too banged up on the edge to generate any kind of pressure on Mahomes, and I think they get that run game going. T. Pratt, what are you what What chances are you giving this Kansas City Chiefs team of winning this week? And then if you think they can win this week, making another Super Bowl run.
2: I think I'm 50-50 on them winning. I did put – I think the Dolphins are, what, plus four, maybe plus four and a half, depending on what book. Um, So I like the Dolphins with the points, but as far as who's going to win the matchup, I don't really know, especially with it being so cold. But um, I did like – you pointed out, I like the under on the total because – Normally when it's cold, right, ball doesn't travel as far. Teams aren't really taking those deep shots. They're really just trying to run the ball, get rhythm, maybe, you know, get some short passes in there. So I think that they're, you know, you're gonna see some six, seven, eight minute drives in this game, especially if it's a long scoring drive. So I think that the the clock chews a little bit, and we might not see 50 points in this one, but as far as a playoff run. I think the offense has just been too inconsistent. You never count out Mahomes of course because he's he's just, you know, he's Mahomes, so you can never count him out, but with the defense, they're going to give him a shot. You got a great defense, you have one of the best if not the best quarterbacks, so you're going to have a shot to win every game, but just the offense as a whole has just been too inconsistent for me to kind of feel confident in them making a deep playoff run.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, it's hard to bet against Mahomes, but it's hard to see this team just, like, magically turning it on with the group that they have on offense. Like I said, Kelsey just, to me, doesn't look like the same dude. I don't know if those injuries have caught up, and he just needs some time to recover, whatever it is. But I think they give their team the best chance if they run their offense through Pacheco because he's a problem. And if you take that pressure off Mahomes by being able to – Just pound Pacheco in the run game and then get Edwards Hilaire involved or McKinnon, whoever. Like When you get those backs going, it's a really tough offense to stop. And the Dolphins defense is so banged up right now. Boys, this has been a blast. It's been a a, uh, a great time catching up with you, Tyler Albrecht. Thanks, man, for coming on, talking some Chiefs with us. Best of luck to you this weekend. Best of luck on this playoff run. Um, I wonder what the odds for a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl would be this
0: year. It would be interesting. I mean, if you're betting on it, you better get some pretty pretty good odds in your favor. Um, but we'll yeah. see. Hope, uh, hoping for it would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, no, appreciate, appreciate you guys. Good to catch up with you all. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, be talking about Chiefs-Rams here in a few weeks.
1: <laughs> hey, if you if you do make that Super Bowl run, we're going to definitely have you on again here in about a month. So uh, be ready for that. But, Tyler, thanks again, buddy. It's been a blast. Have a great night. Yeah, appreciate it,
2: fellas. Thank you, brother.
1: That was questions with a fan. Once again, thank you again, Tyler, for hopping on with us, talking to some Kansas City Chiefs. Real good time catching up with him. This is it for our episode of Super Wildcard Weekend and Questions with a Fan. We hope everybody enjoys some playoff football this weekend. We will be back with you next week to recap this week's games and next week's matchups. So we will see you then. Goodbye. Peace. Peace. I did it again. Oh, my God. I looped it.
3: You're a fucking looper. Fuck.
1: When I come to your city, I'm a new score. Broke your high score, soon I step through the door. Try to stack my paper up like a bookstore. Money kissing knees other like a rock and roll tour. When I come to your city, I'm a new score. Broke your high score, soon I step through
2: the door. Try to stack my paper up like a bookstore.